Good morning. Scott Luton here with you on this edition of This Week in Business History. Welcome to today's show. On this program, which is part of the Supply Chain Now family of programming, we take a look back at the upcoming week, and then we share some of the most relevant events and milestones from years past. Of course, mostly business-focused, with a little dab of global supply chain, and occasionally, we might just throw in a good story outside of our primary realm. So I invite you to join me on this look back in history to identify some of the most significant leaders, companies, innovations, and perhaps lessons learned in our collective business journey. Now, let's dive in to this week in business history. Good morning and thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Scott Luton, and today on this edition of This Week in Business History, we are focused on the week of October 5th. Hey, before we get started, thanks so much for listening to the show. In fact, I'd like to specifically thank one Gary Smith, a dear friend of the show and a huge figure in the world of supply chain. Gary, thanks so much for listening. All the best to you and the family in New York City. In today's episode, we're focused on the birth of one of the most popular social media platforms in the world. It's the story of Instagram, and we'll also hit on a few other big notable items from across the business world. Hey, it's a big week. Thank you for joining us today on This Week in Business History, powered by our team here at Supply Chain Now. So did you know that Instagram has about 1 billion active users? 63% of them are a key demographic between the ages of 18 and 34. And according to some, it's almost evenly split, the audience that is, between male and females. The company has been a colossal success and an intriguing story really since its launch, which took place 10 years ago on October 6th, 2010. But let's start a little bit further back. In 2009, Kevin Sostrom was working at a company called Next Stop a travel recommendation startup that would eventually be acquired by Facebook. Systrom was a 27-year-old Stanford University graduate. He had spent time at Google as a corporate development associate, which was the the department behind M&A activity at the tech behemoth. Systrom had also interned at a little company called Odeo, which itself would give birth to Twitter. Systrom did not major in computer science at Stanford, but he did teach himself to code. A huge connoisseur of fine whiskeys and bourbons, Systrom would use that passion and combine it with his growing technical expertise to create a web application prototype called Bourbon. B-U-R-B-N. Bourbon. We should pause the story for just a second and give a tip of the hat to Jasper Newton Daniel, better known around the world as Jack Daniel. He founded Jack Daniel's Tennessee Whiskey in Lynchburg, Tennessee and he passed away this week in business history on October 9th, 1911. Okay, so back to Kevin Systrom and Bourbon. The Bourbon app was fairly limited. Users could check in, post plans and photos, but it was clunky from a user experience. Hey, aren't we all sometimes? At that time, which seems like 100 years ago, Foursquare and the ability it gave users to share their location via check-ins was pretty hot. But on the Bourbon app, users weren't checking in as much as they were sharing photos. Kevin Systrom would attend a party for a startup called Hunch. 
and it was a fateful moment for him. While there, he would meet a couple of venture capitalists. Systrom would show them his app, Bourbon, and within weeks, he'd have $500,000 in seed funding and would quit his job to focus on growing his app. That investment allowed Kevin Systrom to hire exceptional talent where fate would intervene once more. One of the bigger fans of Bourbon was a user named Mike Krager. Krager was born in Sao Paulo, Brazil and came to the States to attend Stanford. It was at Stanford where Systrom and Krager would meet through a fellowship program. Now get this, while at Stanford, Mike Krager worked on a project for class named Send Me Some Sunshine. It was focused on an app that allowed people from around the world to share photos of sunrises, sunsets, etc. You get the point. Its purpose was to get users to share cheery pics with other users that might be in wintry climbs to perk them up a bit. This experience would certainly come in handy. So one of Kevin Systrom's first calls, now that he had dollars to spend on talent, was Mike Krager, and they decided to work together on growing the Bourbon app. This dynamic duo was immediately fascinated with how Bourbon users were heavily addicted to photo sharing. They then began to analyze the market, studying just about every app in the photography space. One app that really stood out to Kevin Systrom and Mike Krager was one called Hipstamatic. One, it was popular. Two, it was focused on photo sharing. Three, Hipstamatic had really neat features you could apply to your photos before you shared them, like filters. But one clear gap stood out to Kevin and Mike. Hipstamatic didn't have a strong social media play. There was a lack of integration there. Instantly, they saw an opportunity in the market. So they rebuilt the Bourbon app. They focused on the photo sharing function with an enhanced social sharing and engagement factor. And they also renamed the Bourbon app, choosing a portmanteau, combining the words instant and telegram. Thus, Instagram was born. And the rest, by and large, is history. The Instagram app launched on Wednesday, October 6th, 2010. And here's a trivia question for your next virtual party. What was the first Instagram post a picture of? Well, that would be South Beach Harbor at Pier 38, posted by Mike Krager. A whopping 25,000 users joined Instagram in the very first day, October 6, 2010. By mid-December, just two months later, Instagram would celebrate 1 million users. Systrom and Krager's timing was serendipitous. As Apple launched iPhone 4 in June 2010, just a few months before Instagram launched, this iPhone model offered a highly upgraded camera that took marvelous pictures. And of course, all those iPhone users just had to share their pics and needed a platform to do just that. And so Instagram would blow up from there. Perhaps the biggest challenge to the team was not attracting users, but rather keeping its servers online and upgraded enough to handle the enormous traffic. In fact, as CTO, Mike Krager would carry his laptop any and everywhere he went. He had to be on the lookout for app downtime, and Krager would regularly have to interrupt a dinner or a bar conversation to bring Instagram back online for its dedicated and passionate users. As Greg White would say, hashtag startup life. Instagram analytics would go crazy along with millions of teenagers across the globe when Justin Bieber joined the platform. It's been reported that you can look back at all the app's history of data and pinpoint that precise moment in time due to the massive following that would accompany the Beebster. 
His agents demanded that Instagram compensate the phenom, but they declined, and Bieber would just keep right on sharing his pics. The app would attract a ton of attention, especially from investors. It's been reported that Jack Dorsey and Twitter made an offer of $500 million to buy the company from Systrom and Kreiger, but they declined. Less than two years after launch, Instagram would have more than 25 million users. Many users clamored for new features, buttons, and other upgrades to the Instagram experience, but they declined. Systrom and Kreiger wanted to stay focused to their simple core mission, and they saw tremendous value in saying no to just about anything that deviated from that mission of sharing photographs and keeping the app very lean. Mark Zuckerberg, Having seen his millions of Facebook users constantly focus their posts on sharing photos, well, he'd come calling. In fact, Zuckerberg would personally negotiate with Kevin Systrom and Mike Krieger to purchase Instagram. And in April 2012, they had a deal. For $1 billion in cash and stock, Facebook acquired Instagram. But a key caveat was that the newly acquired company would maintain independent management. So get this, Instagram has since been valued at more than 100x that purchase price by a variety of experts. So probably not a bad ROI for the Facebook team. But back to that independent management idea. Well, it worked for about six and a half years, but it eventually didn't work any longer. It's been reported that not only did Kevin Systrom and Mike Krieger have design and functionality disagreements with Mark Zuckerberg, but they also grew frustrated with Zuckerberg's huge desire to keep Facebook users on Facebook and some of the decisions that came out of that desire. Thus, in September 2018, the founders of Instagram left the company. But Instagram and Facebook journeyed forward. In fact, according to Omnicore, Instagram is the sixth most popular social network worldwide. More than 50 billion photos have been uploaded thus far. Pizza is the most Instagram food globally, followed by sushi. What an incredible story with its genesis this week in business history, just some 10 years ago. A few other items to note on this week in business history for the week of October 5th. On October 11th, 1844, Henry J. Hines was born in Birmingham, Pennsylvania. His first business, focused on horseradish, would eventually fail, but his second entrepreneurial venture would be a home run. Henry would use his focus and passion for tomato ketchup, along with other condiments, to form the company known around the world today as the H.J. Hines Company, based in Pittsburgh, PA. On October 9, 1873, Charles Rudolph Walgreen was born in Knoxville, Illinois. As fate would have it, Walgreen would lose a part of his finger in a factory accident. The doctor who treated Walgreen would encourage him to get out of the dangerous manufacturing industry and jump into the pharmacy profession. Walgreen would go on to found his own pharmacy store in Chicago in 1901 which would eventually blossom into the second largest pharmacy chain in the U.S., second only to CVS Health today. On October 11, 1935, Danny Evans was born in Smithville, Tennessee. This Army veteran would serve in Korea, attend Auburn University, and go on to co-found the Cracker Barrel Old Country Store, with the first location being opened in Lebanon, Tennessee. 
The chain, of course, would take off. But in 1991, Evans would issue a directive to all company restaurants to fire employees, quote, whose sexual preferences fail to demonstrate normal heterosexual values, end quote. Eventually, largely due to this move and others, Evans would be forced out as CEO in 2001. And on October 8, 1993, Toni Morrison would become the first African-American woman to win the Nobel Prize for Literature. Morrison was born in Lorraine, Ohio. She graduated from Howard University, and she could write like the Dickens. Her talented works would bring a variety of awards to include the Pulitzer Prize. In 1993, Morrison would be recognized with the Nobel Prize for Literature. The citation would read, quote, in novels characterized by visionary force and poetic import, gives life to essential aspect of American reality, end quote. Toni Morrison's exceptional works include Song of Solomon, Beloved, and God Help the Child, amongst many, many more. God bless our nation's storytellers, indeed. Well, hey, that wraps up this edition of This Week in Business History. Those were some of the stories that stood out to us. But what do you think? What stands out to you? Tell us. Shoot us a note to Amanda at SupplyChainNowRadio.com. Or, hey, find us on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram and share your comments there. Hey, we're here to listen. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. I hope you've enjoyed our latest edition of This Week in Business History. Be sure to check out a wide variety of industry thought leadership at supplychainnow.com. Friendly reminder, you can now find This Week in Business History wherever you get your podcast from. And be sure to tell us what you think. We'd love to get your review. Hey, be sure to check out the entire family of Supply Chain Now programming. Tequila Sunrise with Greg White. Supply Chain is Boring with Chris Barnes. Tech Talk, Digital Supply Chain Podcast with Corinne Bursa. Logistics and Beyond with Jamin. Veteran Voices, a lot more. Hey, search for them wherever you get your podcasts. On behalf of the entire team here at This Week in Business History and Supply Chain Now, this is Scott Luton wishing all of our listeners nothing but the best. Thank you so much. We're grateful for your support. And hey, do good, give forward, and be the change that's needed. And on that note, we'll see you next time here on This Week in Business History. Thanks, everybody.